Jai Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Yeah. <laughs> 
So we're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 2, Text 3. Yaswanubhavam Yaswanubhavam Akila Shuti Sharamikam Adhyatma Dippam Atitir Shatam Tamun Andyam Samsarinam Kadunaya Purunahaguyam Tamvyasasunam Apayami Gurumuninam Yaswanubhavam Akilashutisadamekam Adhyatma dipam atiti atitir shatam tamunandyam samsarinam karunayaha purana guyam tam vyasasunim upayami gurumuninam Yaswanubhavam akilashutisaramekam Adhyatma dipam atitir shitam tamonandyam Samsarinam karunayapuranaguyam Tam Vyasasunam Upayami Guru Muninam Ya Hihu Swaanubhavam Self-assimilated 
experienced Akila all around Shruti, the Vedas, Sadam, Krim, Ekam, the only one, Adhyatma, transcendental, Deepam, torchlight, Atitirshatam, desiring to overcome, Tama Andhyam, deeply dark material existence, Samsarinam, of the materialistic men, Karunaya, out of causeless mercy, Aha, said, Brahma, supplement to the Vedas, Guyam, very confidential, Tam, unto him, Vyasa Sunum, the son of Vyasadev, Upayami, Upayami, sorry, let me offer my obeisances, Gurum, the spiritual master, Muninam, of the great sages, translation and purport by his divine grace, Shilesi Bhaktivedanta Swami Shila Prabhupada Ki. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto him, Shuka, the spiritual master of all sages, the son of Vyasadeva, who out of his great compassion for those gross materialists who struggled to cross over the darkest regions of material existence, spoke this most confidential supplement to the cream of Vedic knowledge after having personally assimilated it by experience. Purport. In this prayer, Srila Sutta Goswami practically summarizes the complete introduction of Srimad Bhagavatam. Srimad Bhagavatam is the natural supplementary commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. The Vedanta Sutras or the Brahma Sutras are compiled by Vyasadeva with a view to presenting just the cream of Vedic knowledge. Srimad Bhagavatam is the natural commentary on this cream. Srila Shukadeva Goswami was a thoroughly realized master on the Vedanta Sutra. And consequently, he also personally realized the commentary. Srimad Bhagavatam, and he also realized the commentary, Srimad Bhagavatam. And just to show his boundless mercy upon the bewildered materialistic men who want to cross completely over nescience, he recited for the first time this confidential knowledge. There is no part in, there is no point in arguing that a materialistic man can be happy. No materialistic creature, be he the great Brahma or an insignificant ant, can be happy. Everyone tries to make a permanent plan for happiness, but everyone is baffled by the laws of material nature. Therefore, the materialistic world is called the darkest region of God's creation. Yet the unhappy materialist can get out of, of it simply by desiring to get out. That's good news. Just after desire. Unfortunately, they are so foolish that they do not want to escape. Therefore, they are compared to the camel 
who relishes thorny twigs because he likes the taste of the twigs mixed with blood. He does not realize that it is his own blood that his tongue is being cut by the thorns. Similarly, to the materialist, his own blood is as sweet as honey. And although he is always harassed by his own material creations, he does not wish to escape. Such materialists are called karmis. Out of hundreds and thousands of karmis, only a few men feel tired of material entanglement and desire to get out of the labyrinth. Such intelligent persons are called jnanis. The Vedanta Sutra is directed to such jnanis. But Srila Vyasadeva, being the incarnation of the Supreme Lord, could foresee the misuse of the Vedanta Sutra by unscrupulous men. Therefore, he personally supplemented the Vedanta Sutra with the Bhagavat Purana. It is clearly said that this Bhagavatam is the original commentary on the Brahma Sutras. Srila Vyasadeva also instructed the Bhagavatam to his own son, Srila Shukadeva Goswami, who was already at the liberated stage of transcendence. Srila Shukadeva realized it personally and then explained it. By the mercy of Srila Shukadeva, the Bhagavat Vedanta Sutra is available for all those sincere souls who want to get out of material existence. Srimad Bhagavatam is the one unrivaled commentary on Vedanta Sutra. Sripad Shankaracharya intentionally did not touch it because he knew that the natural commentary would be difficult for him to surpass. He wrote his Shariraka Bhashya and his so-called followers depreciated the Bhagavatam as some new presentation. One should not be misled by such propaganda directed against the Bhagavatam by the Mayavad school. From this introductory shloka, the beginning student should know that Srimad Bhagavatam is the only transcendental literature meant for those who are paramahamsas and completely freed from the material disease called malice. The Mayavadis are envious of the personality of Godhead despite Sripad Shankaracharya's admission that Narayan, the personality of Godhead, is above the material creation. The envious Mayavadi cannot have access to the Bhagavatam. But those who are really anxious to get out of this material existence, may take, they may take shelter of this Bhagavatam because it is uttered by the liberated Srila Shukadeva Goswami. It is the transcendental torchlight by which one can see perfectly the transcendental absolute truth realized as Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. Om Ajnan Timirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Jena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Mano Bhishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam Pandeham Shri Guru Shri Uta Parakamalam Shri Guru Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagajataham Sahagana Raghunatanvitam Tam Sajivam 
साध्वेतम सावदूतम परिजना सहितम कृष्ण चैतन्यदेवम श्री राधा कृष्ण पदान सहगना ललिता शिविशा कन्वितम हे कृष्ण करुणा सिंधो दीनबंधो जगतपते गोपेशा गोपिका कांता राधा कांता नमोस्तुते ताप्त कंचना गौरंगी राधे वृंदावनेश्वरी विश्वानु सुते देवी प्रणमामि हरि प्रिय वंशकल्पतरुभ्यश्चा कृपा सिंधुभ्येवचा पतितनाम भावनेभ्यो वैष्णवेभ्यो नमो नमः जय श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु नित्यानंद श्री अद्वैता गदाधार श्रीवासरी गौरा भक्तवृंद हरे कृष्ण हरे कृष्ण 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे let me offer my respectful obeisances unto him, Shuka, the spiritual master of all sages, the son of Yasudev, who out of his great compassion for those gross materialists who struggle to cross over the darkest regions of material existence, spoke this most confidential supplement to the cream of Vedic knowledge after having personally assimilated it by experience. So this is the cream of the, they say the creme de la creme in French, right? This is what we're practicing in Krishna consciousness is all the essence of the essence, right? The cream is the richest part of the milk, right? So what's being spoken here, the Srimad Bhagavatam, what we're reading is the essence of all knowledge. As we know, the background of the book is that there was a sacrifice that the sages of Namishirenya were performing. They had made up their minds to perform a thousand-year sacrifice to benefit the future generations. So right now, a lot of our good fortune, the, the ability to just pick up this book and read this shloka, is because of great souls thousands of years ago that have cared for us, right? They they had that intention. How will the you know the Kali Yuga is progressing? You know, there's different stages of creation, just like the seasons, you know, are going. So this Kali Yuga is the darkest of the times. It's like it says in the purport. I mean, in the verse itself, how to cross over the darkest region of material existence. The darkest region of material existence is our own consciousness, <laughs> unfortunately. Just like it says in the purport that the only ingredient that's needed to get out of this darkest ignorance is the desire but unfortunately, most of the materialistic people don't desire it. Most, and if we're honest, most within ourselves, most most of our energy or most of our consciousness 
isn't fully desirous of getting out. We think, okay, a little, add a little spirituality to my day or to my life. But are we really convinced that the material world is an unhappy place? Like it, Prabhupada says in the purport, from Brahma down to the insignificant ant, nobody's happy. And then the, the, I think was it, yeah, one of the senses, one of the sentences Prabhupada said, there's no reason to even argue about it. It's just like a common fact. So when we come to realize, okay, this place is not a place for pleasure. This place is not a place for peace or happiness. That motivates us. Some, sometimes people think, oh, this is a doomsday philosophy. You know, you think, oh, it's just, you know, sour grapes mentality just because you didn't figure it out how to. No, but look at the history of civilizations. Was there, is there any success stories where there's like, you know, everybody came together and lived happily ever after? No, because the nature of the material energy is such that it is disturbing. It's unrestful. It's un, it's agitating. It's kunta. It's full of anxiety. So the sooner we come to reality and wake up, that material energy in and of itself is dead, right? Well, the only thing animating the whole cosmos or our microcosm, our bodies is the conscious self. This is the essence of life, is the conscious spark, the spiritual living entity that's animating the body and all of the collective conscious living entities are what's making the whole show go on. The whole material energy was created because we as living entities wanted to desire, wanted to enjoy separately from Krishna. So it said that the living entity was telling Krishna, Krishna, I'd like to try you know, the material energy, so to speak. I like to try to be a separate enjoyer. Krishna was trying to persuade us. It's not a good idea. It's not, you won't, <laughs> you won't be happy. You won't enjoy separately from me because I'm Rasa, I'm Rasa Raj. I'm the reservoir of all pleasure. Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead, the source of all loving reciprocations. And we are part and parcel as spiritual conscious entities. We are part and parcel of the unlimited ocean of Krishna's love and loving devotion in loving devotional service. But when we decide to try to exist or try to enjoy separately from the source of bliss, Krishna's the source of bliss, right? Then when we try to enjoy separately, then we get the whole cosmic creation. So just like from a desire, the whole material universes, the unlimited material expansions are being created. So from a desire, it can be, we can get out of the whole temporary show. And that's what 
Prabhupada saying in the purport that just to desire to get out is the only thing needed. That it's said in one of the purports that Krishna wants us back in the spiritual world more than we could ever desire. So what's holding us back? Krishna is the cause of all causes. Unlimited universes are emanating from him. He's omniscient, omnipotent. You know, unlimited potencies are coming. Why can't he just make it happen? Because of us. <laughs> He's also made it that for there to be loving reciprocation, there has to be a willing participation, the desire. Everything revolves around the desire, our intention. At every moment, to the quality of our intent, just like this verse, to the quality of our intention to want to get out of material consciousness and the sufferings of material energy, it could happen in a moment. If we're intent, if our intention is intense enough, pure enough, then Krishna can just make it, make a snap, you know, make the whole, the whole material energy is maya, right? In one, we know that as, as illusion, but also it means energy, right? Maya, Krishna's energy. So in one sense, the spiritual world is maya, but the spiritual world is yoga maya. It's the internal energy, the spiritual energy. Of Krishna and the material energy is known as Mahamaya. You know, it's also Krishna's energy. So, for the energetic source, for the cause of both material and spiritual energies, there's no difference. It's just like a, an electrician, they can use the electrical current to make something cold, like, you know, air conditioner, and they the same electrical current they can use for heating. So it's the same thing for Krishna. He can use his energy however he wants. It's his energy. It's his shakti. And ultimately, it's personal. Everything in Krishna consciousness has a personification behind it. The material, the whole, the planet, Bhumi, is a person. Like we know in the In the uh, beginning of the Bhagavatam, when the um, live, the demigods approach Brahma, along with Mother Bhumi, saying that the you know there's so much turbulence, so much anxiety and terrible things going on. We need to approach Krishna. You know they wanted basically they wanted Krishna you know to have like a incarnate to come and save save the Save the day. So Bhumi, earth personified in the form of a cow, went along with Lord Brahma and the other demigods to appeal to Vishnu, to Krishna, to alleviate the disturbances, you know, the demons, the negative materialistic personalities and forces were getting too strong. So every energy and everything is personified. So material energy in and of itself is personified. Then sometimes they say it's Durga, right? Like sometimes it gets very intricate, like material 
energy is never touched by Krishna, right? Sometimes they say even the demigods, they don't, they don't, even when they used to come here, they don't come here anymore because it's so degraded. But when they used to visit, they, ne- they would never touch the, the material energy. It would just like, they would come and be, be in the area, but they wouldn't like, you know, that's what I've heard, that they wouldn't. But, um, yeah, so Durga, it's explained that the Shiva is the eternal companion of Durga. And Shiva is an expansion, or Shiva is, is Krishna, but in touch with the material energy. And how everything is, how the whole material creation that when Shiva, or was it, when it's, I don't know the intricacies, but when, when Vishnu glances, like in, you know, winding it back, <laughs> the material universe, when Shiva, when Vishnu glances at the unmanifested Pradhan, or the whole, you know, material energy in its unmanifest form, that glance is called Shambhu. The glance itself is personified as Shiva. That glance is Shiva coming in contact with the material energy who is personified as Durga. And when they are related, then the material energy comes into effect. And then the living entities are impregnated into the material energy. So point being, the energy is personified and can how we relate to the energy is how we relate personally to Krishna and Krishna's expansions and Krishna's devotees. So this is the personal consciousness. It's like many people that are, you know, not vegetarians, if they were to have to kill the animal themselves to eat the meat, I'm sure a lot of them, there wouldn't be like humongous slaughterhouses. A lot of them would, you know, have a change of heart, just seeing the face, seeing the person, seeing that it's a personal thing. But when you take the personality out of it, then it's easy to exploit. So similarly, when we take the personality out of nature, when we don't see that, just like in Native American and other traditions, they had, you know, the wind spirit and the river spirit, and they, they would relate to the different aspects of nature, seeing that there's the personal deva or a personal personality behind it, and their way of relating was more refined and more spiritual, personal, and respectful. So similarly, when we see that behind nature is a personality, and ultimately that personality, if you want to get very, you know, personal, is an eternal consort of Krishna. Material energy personified is, in the ultimate issue, an eternal loving uh, devotee of Krishna or an expansion. It's, a, it's Krishna's consort. 
Mother Nature, you know, we say Mother Nature. So if we have, the more qualitatively we realize that, then the more qualitatively and personally we relate with, with nature itself and our own bodies. Our bodies are made up of the material energy. And then we don't want to exploit our own bodies, you know, to use it for ways that are unnatural or impersonal. That's another way. You know, we're here talking in this purport, Prabhupada's talking about the impersonalists are envious of Krishna. But to the degree that we don't see our body's energy itself as the consort of Krishna, not that we are, but in the sense like the nature, like the whole kind of line of thought I'm going on is that nature itself is a consort of Krishna. So then our bodies are made up of that nature. So if we're not using it in the mood of seeing that energy, okay, my ability to speak, my ability to move or, or work or do service, do things, is because of the I'm using the energy and like I'm leading up to the personal energy of Krishna. If we don't link it up in bhakti yoga, if we don't use that energy in connection to loving service to Krishna, then ultimately it's an impersonal act, right? So the thing is that seeing, you know, making this switch and seeing, okay, not only ultimately am I not this, you know, just amalgamated chemicals, just, you know, collected somehow or other, but ultimately I'm the conscious spiritual entity that, and also on the big scale, behind the whole cosmic creation, there's conscious intention. Then the quality of our actions and the quality of our life has that switch. And that's all that it takes is to make make a desire. Okay, I want to see the Supreme Personality of Godhead behind everything. Right? Like it, it says in the Shastras, for one who sees me everywhere and sees everything in me, I am never lost to him, nor is he lost to me. So that's seemingly easy or not. <laughs> it is in the sense that it just takes the, the desire, Prabhupada says, to want to see Krishna. And then Krishna arranges, just like if we want to get out of the material energy, maya itself is Krishna's eternal, internal energy. And Krishna just has to ask, right? Please, you know, take the curtain away. It's just, uh, uh, just like I was making that example of an electrician. They can make that same electrical current hot or cold. So for Krishna, it's just everything's his energy, everything's spiritual. For us, it can be or it can't be. It depends on our outlook, and that's all based on desire and how to increase the spiritual desire is to associate with people that are already there, you know, that their consciousness is already, you know, 
devoted qualitatively much more than ours. So when we associate with personalities, you know, more advanced in spiritual devotion, then it rubs off. You know, just like Prabhupada gives the example that if you're riding a bike and you you may be going at a certain speed, but as, when you grab onto a truck, then you're immediately going the speed of that truck. So similarly, when we, we may be going at a certain level in our devotional progress by our own desires, our own, you know, desires to be, you know, Krishna conscious. But if we get the association of advanced souls, we're immediately tagging along, you know, we're immediately on their level in a sense, you know. Well, we, we get the, also we get, then I remember being in my guru's association, serving him, and then, you know, after he left, I was like, wow. I was like, a, <laughs> okay, but it's, you know, you're brought to that speed. It's like when you let go of the truck, you realize, you know, how you've been pulled along. But then you can see in spiritual, you know, dimensions, you know, it's like, What's that one verse that says that the spiritual master, they have crossed over the material ocean on the boat of devotional service. Although they're on the other side, they, they left the boat back for us, you know. So it's like, you know, it's even if the spiritual master in one sense, their consciousness is fully absorbed in the spiritual world, you know, they're completely Krishna conscious. Still, they've left that and they're there, so to speak. They're not... You know, they're in the world, but they're not of the world. They've transcended still. They left the boat, and that boat is to engage more and more qualitatively in absorbing our desires and absorbing our consciousness in trying to please Krishna. So I'll read the verse again, then we can discuss a little bit, if you like. So let me offer my respectful obeisances unto him, Shuka, the spiritual master of all the sages, the son of Vyasadev, who out of his great compassion for those great materialists who struggled to cross over the darkest regions of material existence, spoke this most confidential supplement to the cream of Vedic knowledge after having personally assimilated it by experience. Any... Questions or reflections? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna. It seems astonishing that when Krishna consciousness, the spiritual world is so obviously so much superior and actually brings happiness, that eternally there would still be a small insignificant portion of the material world, where souls continue to try and endeavor futilely. Is there anything you can comment on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm bewildered myself. What, how, how I'm still attracted to it, even. <laughs> Did anybody hear uh, Javi give his lecture in uh, Houston yesterday? So he's a Prabhupada disciple. They have, they, they just finished a beautiful kirtan mela in the Houston temple. And uh, he said that a sensitive heart cannot ignore beauty. I was like, that's a few words, right? 
And I was like, that's like sums it up, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, what is it? just like there's, Prabhupada, sometimes there's the word causeless rebelliousness. For some reason, some part of us has been attracted by the beauty and the sweetness of devotional life. But a bigger portion, for myself speaking, is, no, I don't believe it. You know, Maybe we won't admit it in the front of our mind, so to speak. But to the degree that we're not relishing or reciprocating with Krishna in, a, in the deepest ecstatic way means that our heart is still still framed, right? You know that, that verse. If we don't shed tears upon chanting Hare Krishna, then it means our heart is still still steel framed. So to that degree that in any aspect of it, when you read, when Lord Chaitanya would read or his associates would read the Bhagavatam, you know, the Gadadhar Pandit, his book had to, he had to get another one because his tears, you know, ruined the book. The Lord Chaitanya would hear the Prahlad Maharaj and Dhruva Maharaj pastimes hunt. He, it was as soon as they were done, he would say, read it again, read it again, you know. So yeah, to that degree, for what it's causeless rebelliousness for some unfortunate Reason, we're still thinking, we're not convinced, whatever it may be, we're not desirous. We're still rebellious. We might have to get, hopefully, you know, smack, you know, that's what material energy, Durga has the three prongs, right? What's it for? Krishna is attracting us with his beauty and his sweetness. Durga's pushing us with pains. The miseries of the material energy are meant to push us to Krishna or like, okay, you know, like, okay, I got my lessons. Like a parent, they give a little guiding smack, you know. So, yeah, for whatever reasons, it's very, you know, the enjoying spirit is the nature of the soul. And for... Many, I mean, on the material perspective, many lifetimes we've been thinking there's pleasure in enjoying matter, enjoying separately from Krishna. So on that temporary material, you know, time frame, we've been going the wrong direction. Bahir Mukha, our face has been turned away from Krishna. So now, to a certain degree, we're, we're turning towards Krishna. Like you know, if you if you look at the altar and then look anywhere else, what's the the, the qualitative difference? Is like that's pretty outstandingly brilliant and gorgeous and sweet looking. So yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say what you know what's, but it's yeah, it's it's a bewilderment that and and that it keeps going on. I have to admit that it, uh, okay, for me, I would I would say okay. Maybe there's a few cycles, but it isn't it, shouldn't it be at one stage that the living entities at least get it and then there's no more material creation? But nope. <laughs> at least according to the philosophy, it's 
That's eternally going on. Well, there's unlimited living entities. So we're trying to go back to reality. We're, you know, so to different degrees, we're, we're doing it. And the association of devotees is to keep us reminded, keep us, you know, oh yeah, you know, sometimes it's easy to, it wasn't it, Narda Muni? He's an eternally liberated soul. He wanted, he was curious, what, what's, what's your Maya like? Right? And then he got, or Lord, you know, he got completely absorbed in the material energy, forgot because he, well, he, he opened himself, he asked Krishna, he was like, you know, can you show me? We don't need to ask. It's like, we, we need to be asked, can you show me your spiritual, you know, Loving exchange. Can you show me the beauty of devotional service? Can you give me a taste? But, uh, I'll just one story. Jayadwaita Swami, you know, he's very witty. Very one. I'll give two stories that he said that one time he was chanting Japa by the Brooklyn temple. There's a police station by there and the police drove by and they, they saw him in his robes and chanting on his beads and they stopped the car and they said, Hey, what do you got to give up to become a Hare Krishna? And he immediately just looked at him and said, Suffering. And just kept walking and chanting. And when he got back to the temple, he had found out that they stopped at the temple to go buy some books. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's an illusion that we're suffering. That, you know, we're, we're, trying to enjoy in the shadow. So yeah, for him to say it, it's it's easy. It's like, okay. If I were to say it, they'd probably be like, well why don't why don't you try it? give it out? No. So I forgot the other example I was gonna say, but uh any other reflections, devotees, questions? Shimad Bhagavatam ki go pray